Okay, are we ready to start? Uh, first yeah. Time. Okay, I'll start off with the first yeah. chapter. Okay, so the first chapter of the book is titled Rowan. We find out that Rowan is a 17-year-old biracial girl that's living in modern-day Tulsa, Oklahoma. Even though no one ever walks down the street in Tulsa, Rowan had to because her car was totaled. She's walking to the district attorney in order to speak about a certain situation that truly means a lot to her, and she hopes to make a real difference. The storyline starts out on our first day of summer break. We all love summer break, the weather, the ability to wake up early with no responsibilities, the time we can all relax and enjoy our break. However, this was not the case for Rowan, as in a few days, she was going to finally speak to her district attorney. She prepared to sleep late, even though the contractor's construction woke her up early due to the noise. She remembered herself waking up early and hearing the construction stop. Next thing she heard was the worker saying in Spanish, old bones, police, murder. We find out what happens next in chapter two, titled William. Does anyone have any input for that? Um, I don't. Uh, it seems pretty interesting that Tulsa's like highlighted as a, I guess, not a very safe place if you think if it's like a bit of a risk to walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see that um, from Red, uh, like much like hasn't changed by just specific key points and uh, some little context that much hasn't changed throughout from the 20s to present times. Everything is still kind of relevant. So that's pretty Yes, and it's um, also important to keep in mind that Roman is biracial. It comes that knowledge comes in handy while throughout the book. Yeah. Um, so basically with chapter two, uh, it's about a boy who is from the 1920s, who as his name is William, he, and he's about 17 years old. Um, throughout the book, he talks about um, Tolson culture and how the uh, middle, um, how like that area, the racism and, things people would go through was like he was a mixed race child and a lot in this specific chapter he talks about uh a crush he has on a girl whose name is Addie and um how long he's had a crush on this girl and around the end of the book you can see uh his aggression towards a guy who's talking to her um but he's fearful of like what he should do because he doesn't want himself to get in danger. Um, any uh, points? Any um, things you guys want to add? I would like to add something. It's important to know that this very tall guy who is talking to Addy is a black man, and he, William, does get a little. Um, a little bit of racist thoughts grow through his head. He's not calling him, he's calling him not very nice words. And it's important to realize the racism that people did go through, not even very long ago, and it still goes on today. Yeah. Um, and he also talks about uh, lynching and uh, killing most black yeah. men and pe women, yeah. so. That's mentioned a lot. So chapter three is also titled Rowan. 
Um, it leaves off right where chapter one ended. Rowan looks at the dead body. She notices many flaws. She has only seen one dead person ever, which was her grandmother. So she wasn't familiar with the situation. Not many people are familiar with the situation, so that can be relatable to the reader. She felt it was disrespectful that someone dumped the body like it was just a piece of garbage without feeling the need to turn it face up. She felt it was disrespectful because it it used to be a living person. So just kind of throwing a dead body like it's garbage is just kind of weird instead of just laying it down gently. Rowan knew that she couldn't face the situation alone. So she called her closest friend, James. He's concerned that she's called him multiple times and that she's not telling him what's wrong. She says that she'll tell him what's wrong once he arrives at her house. So 10 minutes has passed and she's listening for his car. But instead of hearing his car, she suddenly hears police sirens. She just assumes that the construction workers have called them. But she's getting really tense because she feels like she, she's guilty of something because when you see a dead body I mean the first thing in your mind should be that you have to call someone so she's a little nervous because she thinks that her phone call with James was somehow traced back with the murder of this person so she's starting to calm down when she hears the sirens fade away and the chapter ends in silence does anyone have anything to add um well, I like how this chapter had, like, a mysterious feel to it due to the way, like, the dead body was described and how, like, they were they found a gun by it. And, like, I also, like, really want to know, like, where were the police cars actually going since, like, they didn't go to her house? Yeah. Yeah. And um, she also talks a lot about uh, her friend James and how she wants to have immediate contact with him as if uh that's the only person that she trusts mm-hmm. at that moment yeah he's a very important character yeah they her relationship with james definitely seems like it's very strong yes i agree but uh moving on to the fourth chapter in the book which is the second of the william chapters and it continues from where the second chapter left off William is still eyeing the black man next to Addie, and Cletus sort of teases William and convinces him to go confront the man. And William goes under the assumption that Cletus is going to back him up. And William, like, sort of starts with an aggressive approach, and the the man Clarence Banks sort of, while he does mock William a little, he still tries to sort of settle things pretty peacefully. And then William gets more and more heated. And then when he sees that Cletus isn't with him, he gets pretty angry and then throws a fist at Clarence, who mirrors that with a shove and accidentally ends up breaking William's wrist. Because of this, uh, Cletus, uh, like, tries, what's it called? This is when Cletus comes in and starts calling out the black man for attacking him and he doesn't really get any support so he runs out to go grab an officer and because officers were pretty racist and crooked at this time uh, the bartender knows this and tells Clarence to get away before he gets into any trouble and so when the 
police return or rather when the police come he has a little bit of a chat with uh all the people in the speakeasy learns that the black man was named clarence banks and indirectly blackmails the bartender into giving him uh the money in the cash register and then at the end of the chapter william is guiltily aware that he endangered an innocent black man because now the police is after him or at least knows of him and the fact that he attacked a white man yeah and it kind of shows the polarity that william and the um, this guy had together and how uh with through prejudice and um racism uh there's usually regret after a situation like that happens and it kind of is relevant with today mm -hmm. you know everything that's going mm -hmm. on this year yeah and who knows if clarence were to stay and that police officer were to put his hands on him who knows what would have happened yeah. He could have gotten really hurt mm -hmm. or even killed. Yeah, especially in um especially in uh the south in Tulsa yes. mm -hmm. and like the in the twenties. Um I guess one thing I'm wondering is where did Addie head off to after this incident had happened between William and Clarence? Mm -hmm. And like uh, we can see in this chapter that the crooked police force they accepted bribes and they weren't they weren't good people yeah and um i also wonder how addie's reaction to the situation will be if she ever finds mm -hmm. out um, yeah. what happened and how this and how william is connected to roman at all while we're learning both of their stories okay does anyone have anything else to say I don't. I don't either. Me either. Okay, well, I guess that concludes our podcast. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Catch us next week. <laughs>